0: Oh, I'm so happy to be in church today. Isn't it a privilege for us to be gathered together once again in the house of God and to know where we're living in the hour that's upon us and Jesus in his mercy has given us light. Let's read today in 1 John chapter 2 verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in Him. Now, what you notice, it's not enough to be able to know His Word or to be able to even quote the Word. But John says it's whoso keepeth His Word. So we don't want to just know it. And it's much easier to get the truth than it is the Spirit of truth. Somebody might give you a Bible. Give you a book, a message book, or a tape, and you say, "Well, I've got the truth. This, this is the truth." But the harder part will be getting the spirit of truth within your soul. Just as someone gave you that truth, someone else might come and take it away. But if you never get the spirit of truth in you, that's yours forever. First John four twelve: No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us verse 16 and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us God is love he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and notice don't just have love but you actually dwell love agapeo is your dwelling place, it's where you live, it's where you stay, so you don't move in and out, you love, you hate, you love, you hate, you fuss, you squabble, you argue, you fight, no, but you actually dwell in love, and the word dwelleth means abide, remain, continue to remain, not to depart, to continue to be present, not to become another or different, he that dwelleth in God, notes rather, dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God, and God in him. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> we certainly believe in signs and manifestations, all kinds of miraculous things that we've seen our Lord do, several People healed right here Wednesday night. Several people were caught up into the presence of God and couldn't even speak their English language no more. I mean they weren't interrupting the service or anything like that but just in praising and praying and worshiping and we believe in that. But yet we also know all of those things can be impersonated and we know that a person could actually speak in tongues and Maybe be at order the wrong time or at the wrong uh, opportunity and they feel it pulsating them so much and they just do it and totally miss the will of God. Tongues will cease, prophecies will fail. One day there'll be no need of healing, no need of miracles, is that right? But yet love, eternal love, will always exist. In heaven, there'll be no more preaching. There'll be no more prayer lines. There'll be no more ministering to the sick, but we will dwell in love. This is part of our rights, as the bill of rights that we've been looking at for a while for the elect of God, to be able not only to love, but to have divine love. Now, I realize it can be something that many people think to have, and yet, whenever they're really tried, it proves that they don't. You see, this type of love is unnatural to every one of us. There's not a person here today or one that's ever lived on the face of the earth outside of the Lord Jesus that could love with divine love and it come as a natural trait. It's not natural to us. All of our loves are filled with an element of selfishness. Even after we become Christians, children of God, there's still an element about the avenue that we love That is still selfish. So we can go to church and we can love to go to church, but we can still get selfishness in that. We can love to pray, and love to sing, and even doing things for the Lord can have an element of selfishness in it. And it takes divine love to help us to be able to die to that. Now watch, the prophet says it this way, whether in tongues it shall cease, whether it's prophecy it shall vanish, whether it's knowledge it shall vanish. Of all these things or even gifts of miracles of healing, they shall all be done away with. Only that divine love shall last. Now when will they be done away with? Well, whenever we don't need them no more, but as of right now, we still need them. We still need healing, we still need miracles, we still need these things. Standing in the gap, he says, now in the divine love, divine love, how can that be divine love if it isn't the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is divine love. So this is the only avenue that you and I can have access into this great thing of divine love. When a person first becomes a Christian, are they baptized into divine love? No, they're not. They get a portion of the spirit of God, but this type of love is only attained once you've grown and grown into the complete stages of God and it's allowed to grow in you. Christ, the mystery of God revealed, he says, now you got tapes on that. You got tapes on what we believe and you got tapes on discipline, the church, how we behave ourselves and the church of God, how we ought to come here together and sit together in heavenly places. Don't stay home. If God is in your heart, You can't hardly wait for them doors to open out yonder. Can anybody say amen to that? To get in here to fellowship with your brothers. You see, we don't just come to church just to be able to fellowship with God. We do, and there's nothing like his presence. But we come also to be with one another so they can minister to us and so we can in turn minister back to them. Because there's something about the body. That the body is so designed to be able to help one another. Now, say for instance this way, if you get an itch on this side of your arm right here. Now, wouldn't it be absolutely awful if you limited yourself, though, to scratching only with your right hand? Now, that would be real good as long as your right hand could reach everything else. But if you limit yourself to scratching only, oh, I only scratch with the right hand. It's gonna be awful, I'm telling you. When you get a, a an itch on that elbow there and you're bending and you're bending and you're twisting, And you see, you're laughing. It's it's dumb, isn't it? Well, it's the same way in the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus. People get that way. Well, I I only listen to this preacher. I I don't go to church, and I'm just, you're going to be hurting, and that elbow goes, you know, and you've limited it only to that one aspect right there. But God has placed so many different things in the body. And what's it for? It's not to minister to those who have the gifts, but it's to minister to those who need ministering too. So myself, I want to receive everything that God has, don't you? Every aspect of the body. You know, whenever people look at that and how in the world they can say they believe every word he said and they don't even go to church. Well, they've not moved very far really, have they? He says, so you can't wait for them doors to open to get in here to fellowship with your brothers. And if you don't feel that way, then I tell you, it's time you got to pray it. And the church said, because we're in the last days where well, the Bible exhorted us to much more as we see the day approaching to love one another with Christian love and with divine love. Now notice some two different degrees of love. You said that's the thing that many people don't understand about love. That love is not just one open channel, but there's many degrees, many different types. And we know that it came from the eternal in the beginning. And as it started coming on down, it was like it got narrower and narrower as it came on down. And it finally comes into the very beginning bottom of human love, lust and corruption and all that sort of thing. And the only way to ever get back up to the top is for the one at the top to pull us into himself. Now we receive, thank God, Christian love for one another when we first start, but it takes God himself to give us that divine love. Now watch this. He says, with Christian love and divine love, to assemble ourselves together in heavenly places and Christ Jesus and love one another, this will all men know. That you are my disciples. Now, I read to you a couple of weeks ago where the different historians in the time of the first century, second century, third century, on up to the fourth century, and it was one of the most notable things that the historians wrote. Now there were not Christian historians; they were just Roman historians or historians from different uh, cities around the time frame of the Roman Empire, and they would write about the Christians. Now they saw miracles, and they knew they did signs and wonders and things like that. But one thing i found that was a common thread among these historians was that they wrote about the way they lived and they wrote about the way they died. So they wrote about these Christians and how much love they had for one another. Now, they knew that they raised the dead and healed the sick, but that wasn't the thing that really stuck out to them so much. It was that they loved one another. You remember, I quoted to you that one of the historians said that their master convinces them that they are brothers their master convinces them that they are brothers. Well, if we've got the same master, he still does the same thing to us. So we love one another, but the thing is being able to love one another without selfish love. Now many people love, you know, a a boy will meet a girl and they fall in love and she falls in love with him, and they don't realize, they don't even realize that there's so much selfishness that's involved in that first step of love. Well, I I, I want to get married, because it'll benefit me this way and it'll benefit me that way. Sis, you better watch out. Brother, you better watch out because all of our human love is so coalesced together with selfishness. We just can't help it. It's the way we're made and the way we fell into after the fall and there's only one thing that can help us and ever turn us around. That's why a man can never be able to love his wife the way that he should without the baptism of the Holy Ghost because he will love her, yes. He would be willing to do all kinds of things for her but he will still have that element of selfishness that'll be there. That. People come to the Lord Jesus and many of them come to him because they do not want to be lost. They do not want to go to hell. They do not want to perish. So they come to the Lord Jesus with an element of selfish love. It's all about what they can get, all about what he can do for them. And then if he asks them one little thing, quit this, don't do that, quit, what? oh, oh but my goodness, you mean I've got to do something? You mean I, I, I've got to give up this? And I, Oh, oh I, I am so appalled. I cannot believe. I thought everything about this was a free gift. Salvation is. But whenever you fall in love with him, and if you really love him, he wants to see how much you love it. Do you love him just beyond a ticket escape out of hell? Or do you love him more than anything else in this world? Do you want to give him everything that you are? Do you absolutely want to die to yourself? And that's one thing, of course, that separates the bride from the church because the church still is so engulfed in that selfishness of love. But the real people of God, of course, they move on into that reality. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, as Paul again describes about this agape 11, he says, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part is done away. When I was a a child, rather, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as I am also unknown. Now abidest, notice these, faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. And isn't it amazing how that we would look at a person that would have great miraculous faith? And they would be able to lay hands on the sick and say they've not only got the gift of faith, but they also have the gift of healings or the gift of miracles. And we would look at them and that would be the one that we would make our hero. And there might be another one that might not have either of those gifts but they would have such love in their hearts and they are able to love their enemies and pray for their enemies and everything Jesus asks of them individuals, they give it to them. Which one would we think would be the greater person? Most of us would pick the one with great faith. You know why? Because there's something about that that gets our attention. Hey, I believe in miracles. I've seen them since I was a little boy. I believe them with all of my heart. But not only do I want miracles, I want this kind of love because there'll be many sign workers that'll be able to stand before God. As a matter of fact, I saw a little documentary last night and it was from some of the African countries and it was people that was coming to men that were practicing supposedly divine healing. And I saw them as they would come to these men and they'd lay hands on them and they'd they'd jerk and shout and many different things was actually happening in these services as they called them. And yet they found out that by a little bit of hidden microphone and a little hidden camera that many of these guys were nothing but charlatans. Many of them, whenever they'd they'd pray for these people, and whenever they'd get healed, especially the women, they would call them into their private residence, and they'd want a little private payment for what they had just done. So you see, signs and wonders and miracles alone, it's not what we look for. These signs shall follow them that believe. So the order is, signs follow us, we don't follow them. But if a person has real charity, real love of God, you never have to worry about a man of God doing that because he's doing it based upon charity, not based upon faith. You see, whenever our foundation is this, as the prophet has said of our quoted to you, but as the prophet has so beautifully laid it out for us that perfect love will produce perfect gifts. So what will selfish love produce? Produce. It will produce a mixture of gifts, but still with the element of selfishness. And then you find the men, many of them, it's all about them. They have more miracles, more signs, more wonders. And anytime you hear it, you know that that individual may have great faith, but their love does not match their faith. So this is where kingdom builders come in. Now we've had them, of course, since the dawn of time. Kingdom builders will use the gifts that God gives them to minister to the body. But because they have such a degree of selfishness there left in their humanity, it's always about them. And what I prayed for this one, and I prayed for that one, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done something else. Oh, how God hates that sort of thing. Notice now it says, now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now let me ask you just a simple question today. If we would have been in the first century, and some of us here today would have been kin to the man called Stephen. And say Stephen would have been our father, our brother, our uncle, our grandson, our great nephew, whatever Stephen would have been. And Stephen was a man of God filled with the Holy Ghost, a deacon, and and a preacher to some. And he was a man that really loved the Lord. And there was a man that we know formerly by his first name of his own nature as Saul. And we know that the people laid his, their garments at the feet of Saul. And it was actually through Saul's administration that they killed this man, stoned him, and he become the first martyr in the New Testament. Then later we hear that Saul has become saved. He's become supposedly filled with the Holy Ghost. And now he's a preacher of the message. And Paul is coming to your home church for a meeting, but your uncle was Stephen. Your brother was Stephen, your cousin was Stephen. Would you have went to church that weekend? Now how deep does our love really, really work? I personally believe with all of my heart, one of the things that we're missing in the message community is such a baptism Of the love of God. I'm talking about to make us compromise. I'm talking about that we can love our enemies and pray for them and feel no desire of revenge in our hearts for them. It's amazing how many Christians hold grudges in their hearts. And they will get you back if it's the last thing they do. They will say things, they will They will make their point, and then we think we are ready for the rapture. To me, friends, it's no wonder we're any farther along than what we are. Amen. Well, come on now. It's not a lack of knowledge for many of us. It's a lack of obedience to what we know we should do. As a pastor, I hear it so much. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. What good does it do you to know if you ain't gonna do it. I know what I need to do, I know where I need to be, I know I need to do better, I know I need to do this. What good does it do if all we do is know it and we don't let it live itself out of our lives? Now think about it, so let's just, let's just move our church now back to the first century, Word of Life Church is there, and we hear that this man, Paul, so-called, has become converted, got the Holy Ghost, we still got our doubts, of course, and then we find out, you, no, no, wait a minute, now you, you've got to kid me, Brother Donnie, you, you, you've invited this man to come to our church to preach, and this man was actually the one who was responsible for getting my uncle Stephen killed. They laid their garments at his feet or could you have went there and really prayed through and you could have said, God, help me. Lord, you say, I'm on a struggle. Lord, I, I, I don't understand, but God, I, I, I want to feel toward that man with the genuine love. I ain't going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to just think about it today. You see, the way we react today in this century would pretty much give us an idea of what we would have done in that century. Because if people hurt us today and hurt us deeply, how many of us can be able to love them anyhow? And pray for them over all the top of the hurt. Or when their name is mentioned, is the predominant thing that we think about, not their soul, and God deliver them and God have mercy on them. I hope they can be saved. I hope they can be reconciled to God. Is that what we think about first and foremost? Or do we think about, I'll never forgive them. I'll tell you one thing. They done this and that and the other to me. i hope and pray they go to hell If you feel that way about anybody today, you need to hit this altar before this service is over. Remember, the Lord Jesus could look at those that crucified him and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they have done and what they are doing. Now, whenever we get into the, to the, the salvation stages of accepting the Lord, and then the Lord sanctifies us, and the Lord gives us the baptism, immerses our soul into the spirit of God, and our soul is sealed. And we know that it starts out in this tiny form of the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is Zoe, the personal life of God, and it starts growing like that little white button on your shirt, brothers. And it starts getting greater and greater and multiplies, and we think, "Oh my!" I've arrived at this place, and I'm really to that position, but John, being the apostle of love, and he wrote about love in a way that none of the rest of the men did, and I read it to you a week or so ago, where Brother Random said that Peter was the chosen apostle for miracles, and I'm sure you've noticed it by reading the Bible, that we don't have near as many records of John doing the miraculous as Peter did. But we don't have Peter, uh, much written about him, expressing the love of God that John did. So you mean to tell me that everybody is not going to be exactly the same way? So Peter was not called the apostle of love, but John was. So John had an insight into the presence of God and about agape love that Peter probably looked at and thought, my, my. I I, I wish I could be more like John. I wish I could be more like that. Maybe John turned around and said, I I, I wish I could be more like Peter. You know, I I, I was along with Peter when many miracles happened, but I've seen the sick healed and I've seen things happen out of my ministry, but God never gave it to me in that measure. Isn't it amazing though how that we might compare them and look at them and say, oh, that guy right there, man, I'm telling you, you, you're talking about a man right there. He's a, he's a real faith-building man. That Peter boy, I'll tell you, he just stands out there. He's as bold as he can be. And John would have to kind of hang his head, no doubt. But yet there was something about John that was able to tap into the very heart of God, which will be eternal. I wonder if the Lord hasn't and is doing the same thing in our own ranks. That there are certain people that will never attain to the same element and level of the miraculous in their ministry. Yep, they love the Lord. They appreciate everything that God is doing in the supernatural, but it's just not been given to them. But yet they are actually used in the body of God to be one that God will allow to be run down They will be hated. They will be criticized. And it seems so unusual. Why is it that 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 one person or that one person or that man or that? Why is it that it seems like they are so hated above so many others? Wonder if God wrote it out in their life that they would be able to express the attribute of forgiveness and humility and reconciliation and people that run them down and talk about them. And then you find out years later, oh, they're best of friends again and you're probably thinking it was the other person that made it right when in reality it probably wasn't at all it was that one that was actually called to live out the example of Jesus in forgiveness but which would be our choice the example of Jesus in forgiveness the example of Jesus in humility the example of Jesus in mature perfect love or the example of Jesus in walking on water The example of Jesus of standing up in a prayer line, Satan, in the name of Jesus, come out of that person. And we watch him shout and scream and run across the platform, hallelujah, hallelujah. We say, wow, what a ministry. And yet maybe that man has a hard time forgiving someone. I wonder if we haven't made the wrong heroes our example sometimes, friends. Now think of it, what John says here in verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, made. So it's not like it's given to you in perfect form when you initially receive it. But herein is our love made. So this is the same maker that in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was made, so he's still creating. You're looking for creation, you're looking for miracles, look around this building, you'll see hundreds of them. Look in your mirror and you get in your car, you'll see another one. So what's he doing? He's still making. So it's not like that whenever we receive the Holy Ghost, we receive it in its perfect, mature, complete format. But we receive it and it's a baby yet, as we would say. And whenever it goes to growing and maturing, and notice the word that John uses, he said, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So what in the world would that do? You see a person who's received this from the Lord God, they have no fear of standing before him at that day, which is absolutely contrary to human makeup and human nature. Who, which one here among us would not be fearful of your life standing before God, just humanly? How many made mistakes? I'm telling about since you've been in church this morning. <laughs> How many fell short of the glory of God every day of your life? How many of us need mercy every day of our life, grace every day of our life? And yet you, by the grace of God, once you receive this love and it's matured in your heart, then you realize you can walk before the Lord God with boldness on that day. But Brother Donnie, in spite of our humanity, in spite of our mistakes, yes, because the love has actually reached the stage of perfect. Now remember the word perfect, Elios, is not sinlessness, but it's maturity. Now notice John goes on to say that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. How in the world can that even be? As he is, So are we in this present world. So we have the same traits that the Savior has right now. The same character. The same molding, the same maturity. So we don't need to be alarmed at the prospect that we will walk up before the great judgment seat of Christ. Now remember the bride never faces the white throne judgment. But we do walk before this seat of Christ whenever we will receive rewards for what we have done. But yet knowing that in our hearts, how could we ever do that? And yet we will walk up with boldness, not with fear. We will not be terrorized because perfect love has cast out that fear. Now the word fear that John uses there is the word where we get phobias from. Oh, my goodness, there's hundreds of them in this day, aren't we? There's all types of phobias and fear. So the word that he chose to use was the word from phobia, but it also means a terror. Now, he's not saying that we lose our fear for God. There's all types of fears that are built in our humanity that's actually good for us. So we hear a certain sound, we react. You know, somebody stops in front every three quarters of a second, your brain responds, your foot goes on on the brake pedal. That's a fear that you always need especially with the drivers in this day. So there's things about that that we will always need and perfect love will not take that out, you understand? But the fear that God wants to rid us of is the servile fear which a servant has, that a servant has. So the servant would be constantly terrified of his master that he would displease him, especially after the servant got married, and then they would have children. Well, they would always hold that over their head that if the servant did something that displeased his master, that his master had the right to sell his wife and sell his children. So he would serve this master under this dome of fear that every day, every hour, oh, I'm so nervous, I'm so tore up. What if I would do something and, and I would displease my master and he would sell my wife or he would sell my children I could never live under that. It's terrible how many Christians live under that servile fear of the Lord Jesus instead of under a love relationship of what he wants it to be. Now, once you notice here, the prophet, he says, you might go to all kinds of emotions and carry on every way and call on the name of religion. The heathens do the same thing. But give me a consecrated life that's dead and rose again in Christ Jesus, who lives in the Shekinah glory with the love of God around them. That's the person I would believe that's going to be there. God, that's the kind of person I want to be. Put me beneath the veil under the blood of the Lord Jesus. Take all your gifts that you have in the scripture and the devil can impersonate every one of them. But he can't impersonate love. He can't impersonate, now you and I both know, we've had friends, we've even had family members and we've had people in the family of God. Oh brother, I love you so much. Sister, I love you so much. And while they was telling you that, they were sharpening their knife to stab in your back. Well, come on, don't sit there and look at me like you ain't never had it happen to you. People can say that they can love you, but in reality, we don't, we don't prove our love just by our words, but we prove our love also by our deeds. So herein is the love of God made manifest. So the, the devil can impersonate every gift that God's got, but he can't impersonate love because love is genuine. The devil can't love. Think of this. The devil can't love it's not in him angels you imagine every person out here today that is living for the devil they are serving a master that does care nothing for them he does not love them he cannot give them a heaven he has no heaven he cannot give them peace, he has no peace. He cannot give them love, he has no love. Can you imagine what the kingdom of hell is actually like? I've often wondered myself, if we were privileged to be able to go down into that region where they are and hear them as they argue and debate and fuss and carry on. The prophet tells us in Victor day, the reason that, that we have wars is because the spiritual uh, aspect of it going on that the spirits of nations get jealous of one another. So say the spirit in Yemen will get jealous of the spirit of Israel, and the spirit in Iran will get jealous of the spirit in Israel. Seems like there's a lot of them demons jealous of Israel today, ain't they? So them demons over them nations, and where'd they all come from? Well, they come originally, they were angels of God. But his kingdom was built upon deception and deceit and division. So if that's the foundation of his kingdom, what's his kingdom gonna be? Division. Turmoil, how it must be down in hell that Satan constantly has to set them down and shut them up. How he has to constantly, quit fighting, you devils, quit fighting right now. I'm sick and tired of it. Well, you shouldn't have never started this kind of kingdom in the first place if you didn't want it. But they cannot truly love. Neither can Satan truly love. Let me go a little farther, neither can you. Neither can I. It's beyond our human capability to love in this way. It's beyond us. There's no way to attain to it without a new birth. The devil can't love, that's one thing he can't do. When you get to a place that you love one another and all the world is dead, that's what we want, brother, sister. Now notice, again, First John 4, 18. Notice how John says, there is no fear. Look at the word there, the Greek word phobos, which is where we get phobia from. T- terror, dread, or that which strikes terror. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out. My goodness, he's making this sound like it's a devil leaving. <laughs> but perfect love casteth out fear. So the man who knows or the woman that he loves God in his heart can never dread him as a judge because you won't meet him as a judge. You'll meet him as a husband. A husband that gave his life for you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. How many can say amen to that? You ever get afraid of this or that or the other, whatever it is, and what does it produce? It produces a torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Now you see, whenever we become then a partaker of his divine nature, according to what Peter said, it carries a sense of the release of the judgment of God. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have passed from death unto life. We don't have that fear of ever having to stand before him as a judge and that fear of us being lost because that brings torment. Love implies affection, but fear implies repulsion. So love, what does it imply? Affection and attraction. You understand that God is attracted to you? God is attracted to you? You know what gets his attention? The prophet said, keeping God's word is what gets his attention. So real divine love produces what? An attraction. Those of you that met your husband, your wife, what was it about that one that stuck out to you more than than another? And there was an attraction about them. Might have been their smile. Might have been an element of their looks, their personality. Combination, no doubt, of many, many things. And there was an attraction. Then it began to form an attachment. From there it grew into a love. But then what does repulsion, what does that do? So this certain per- person would repulse you or repulse me. And then that that within itself produces a rejection. And that's the way many people serve God. Like they're going to be repulsed, and God's out to get them. And, and if you make a mistake and fall short of the glory of God, he's just waiting, boy, he's just waiting to smack you. And many of them have been raised up like a father, like that, or they were abused, and they relate in their side and their you know their subconscious and their their psychology part, they relate to God being the same way as their abusive husband or their abusive father or whatever it was in their life. But God ain't like that. And the church said, Amen. I said, God ain't like that. You see, God wants to be attracted to us and God wants us to be attracted to him. Then we would love him so much that no matter what Satan would ever offer us in the world, we'd say, are you kidding me? You think I'd ever want to leave this lovely Lord Jesus and walk out there with you? You ain't got no heaven. You ain't got no love. You ain't got none of these good things that God's. That's what God wants us to do to where we as the bride of Christ, when Satan offers us this and that and the other of the world, we look at him and say, there ain't no way. God don't want it to be to where the preachers have to stand in the pulpit with a big bull whip about 14 feet long to reach from on the back pew and, and just beat the time out of you every time you come to church. God wants the preachers to be able to be so anointed with his heart and with his love that their preaching will make us fall in love with the Lord Jesus more than we've ever been in our life and we will not serve the Lord God because of chains and a big ball hung on our leg but we'll say praise God I'm free. I'm free to love. I'm free to worship. I'm free to be what God wants me to be. I'm not held here by bondage. I don't know about you today. I don't come to this church because I'm scared to death. I don't come to this church, I don't believe this message because I'm scared I'll go to hell. I love this word. I love to come to this church. I love to worship God. I love to live for him every day. I do not fear him with a phobia. I have no terror of God in my heart. Oh, I do have that element of fear, afraid that I might displease him somehow. But that's not a phobia. You see, it's something perfect love that's not natural to any of us. It can't be because of the fall. And sometimes we might imagine that we've actually reached a pretty good spot in our walk with God. And the Lord will allow something to come up in our life. Or maybe I should say, Someone. It's amazing isn't it? the people can be some of the greatest encouragement that we get. They can also be some of the greatest battles that we carry. Some of the most difficult things in our life can be people. Any y'all ever had a breakdown because of a dog? Cat, ox, fish, horse, cow? Where's most of your problems come from? Humans. Some of them's your family. Some of them's your church family. I know some of y'all think it's your pastor, but really it ain't me, friend. I'm for you. I mean, I'm guilty of burning your hide every now and then, but that just comes with with the position. And you see, the way John looks at this, he said there's no fear in love. So love and fear can only coexist when love is not perfect. There is no fear in this degree of love that God wants us to have. But fear and love can, go, can coexist when love has not reached maturity. So a person loves God, but they still have this phobia about him. They love him, and they love, they love church, and they love the pastor, sort of, but they're scared to death of him. Go up there and speak to Brother Don. Are you kidding me, Lord, have mercy. You got two contrasts that are coexisting in your heart. So love and fear can only coexist when the degree of love has never reached the state of perfection, maturity. Because once it reaches that, it's like the maturity of this love actually casts out that element of of fear, so perfect love absolutely will not exist in the same soul with fear. But immature love, young love, love that is never fully grown up, it will shift our emotions in one way and then fear will take a hold and we go the other way. Anybody here know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody ever felt fear and love? Sure. Notice he said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So love that is complete, when it reaches its proper extent of maturity, it will eliminate death. This is why Christians can face death and not be afraid. Can't you understand? This is man's greatest fear, it's death. Whenever we get the flu, whenever people got COVID, whenever this, that, and other happens, it's not just the thing of COVID itself, it's what COVID can lead to, what? Death. So what is it? Many of the diseases and things that people get, ultimately, sure, we think, well, I've got this disease or that disease, but what are we terrified of? That that disease would lead us to death, And whenever we look and think about it, that for a real child of God, facing man's greatest fear. How can they ever look at it in the face and actually laugh at it? Because their love has matured. Praise God. Brother Ron Spencer told me the other day whenever I saw him, a week or so ago it's been, Brother Charlie, many of you knew Brother Charlie and some of you didn't, but Brother Charlie Spencer, I'll tell you, he was quite a guy. And Brother Ron said every time he would call him, he said, I was preaching in the background. And he said, Daddy, would you please turn Donnie down? I can't even hear you, Daddy. Brother Ron talked to Brother Charlie about an hour before he passed. Whenever he passed, an hour thereafter, he was listening to one of our services at the church. And it just struck me, I thought, my goodness, you're you're talking about something that you're, you're laying there listening to a service, and one moment you're amen and shouting and praising God, you're an anointed servant of God preaching whoever that servant would be. And then the next moment, you've jumped into a theophany and you've passed death and you just continue on. (laughs) Hallelujah! You just continue on that word that you were hearing just a few minutes ago, and you were able to move into that dimension, that's the way I wanna face death. If I ever have to face it, I wanna be able to be praying, be able to read my Bible, sitting there with my computer, my laptop, maybe in the closet speaking in tongues, I don't know what I'll be doing, but I'll simply change from this life, and one moment I'll move into another body, into a another dimension by the Spirit of God and say, yes, you don't make me tremble because you are not my master. I am yours. (laughs) Hallelujah. All you can do is take me to the other side. (laughs) Oh my. Thank you, Lord. Fear has torment. It's a painful, distressing emotion. Every now and then I get this call from this number, 926-3311. My heart will race. I can feel my blood pressure. I break out my sweat. It's the dentist. Oh, y'all got that same phone call. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Perfect love will never take away the fear from a root canal. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? What is it about it that our bodies will react whenever we hear a certain diagnosis that the doctors will say and a physical change will come over us? in a moment. Oh Lord God help us Father. You see a true believer in the Lord Jesus does not have to fear the past, the present, nor the future. Because he took care of my past and he's with me here today. So therefore it makes me I don't have to fear my future. But there will always be these things around us. Now watch Paul in Romans 8, 15 said, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again. He's talking to Christians. So you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. The spirit of bondage again to fear. So the word bondage is slavery, the condition of a slave. So why would we want to be free from the slavery of sin and then come under a so-called slavery under the name of Christianity, to which we simply trade the type of fear that we have. So it's the fear from the devil and we switch it to the fear of a God who has been painted to us by preachers themselves that don't really love him right. You see, you watch a lot of preachers and they're constantly preaching under condemnation, constantly preaching under hell. I'll tell you what I found out through the years. A lot of them guys, they're preaching because that's where they live themselves. They fear God, they dread God, they dread meeting God, but let me just tell you in case you're wondering, you're looking at a man today that does not fear meeting God. I believe there's more people in this building that have the exact same thing I'm talking about. I look forward to meeting my Lord Jesus. I'm not expecting to be thrown into hell. I'm not expecting to be beat or whipped. I do not believe that because I am his son. I am a part of his economy. Oh, Brother Don, does that make you live loose? Are you kidding me? I want to live closer to him than I've ever lived in my entire life. But I'm gonna do it not because I'm afraid, not because I'm scared I'm going to hell, but I owe him my whole heart. I owe him my emotions. I owe him everything about me. He has been so good to me. Why wouldn't I want to give him everything? For ye have not received the spirit. So you see, there's a spirit that comes with bondage. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. Wow, how different the spirit of adoption is. The feeling of affection Love. In other words, I'll say it in a way so you can relate to it. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be all over it. Y'all relate to that, right? He don't look at you and think how bad you are and how awful. Oh, Brother Donnie, all my mistakes. Sure, he knows all of your mistakes. But remember, that's one of the reasons that he died. Remember the personal interview of Sister Georgia Bruce? But Brother Branham, I have so many things about me that I know that's right, Sister Georgie, that's why Jesus died. So your mistakes would not even be allotted to you. Come on, somebody, don't sit there and look at me. Blessed is the man that walketh not on the counsel of the ungodly. No setteth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, that his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water. His fruit shall not wither. Hallelujah! Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, but the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You are blessed to love God. You are blessed to have a desire to serve it. You I bless that you're not standing here today with a phobia in your heart against Jesus. You see the spirit of adoption is a spirit of being accepted. Not the way you and I think of adoption that somebody goes down to an adoption center and they adopt somebody else's child. But this is the placing of sons. God didn't adopt you from the devil. The devil just had your body and God had your soul. So he took you, package deal, away from the devil and filled you with the spirit of acceptance, adoption. Whereby we cry, Father, Father, or Abba, Father. Notice he says, In Ephesians 4, 26, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Place, room, any portion or space marked off, as it were from surrounding space, an inhabited place. So whenever you start to work tomorrow, don't make, give place in the passenger seat of your car for the devil. Well, Brother Donnie wasn't preaching about you, you low-down, sorry, dirtbag you. You ain't good for nothing. You just said, devil, out of here. You ain't riding with me to work. You ain't riding in my passenger seat. You ain't riding in the back seat. As a matter of fact, you ain't even riding in the truck. Get out. I'm not making no place. That's what we need to do in our homes. Make no place for the devil in our homes. That's what we need to do in our church. Make no place for the devil. We're not giving the devil a special seat upon the platform. There ain't no seats in the mezzanine that we're reserving for demons as a matter of fact. If there's any still left in here, get out of here. Get out of here, you devils of darkness. You devils of sickness, we're not giving in any place in our life for Satan and his kingdom. <sighs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let me change now. Another right that we have as the people of God is a right to the mind of Christ. A right to the mind of Christ. Watch this in 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Now he asks a question. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So he asked the question. You know, if you've ever had many interviews with preachers, you know that a lot of times preachers will answer your question with eight more questions. <laughs> well, I'll ask you this, and I'll ask you that. So Paul, here he asks the question, and then he answers it in a very peculiar way. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And the meaning of the word is understanding, judging, the capacity for spiritual truths, the faculty of perceiving divine things, of recognizing goodness and of hating evil. I find this to be amazing because there are so many church people that do not have this mind because they cannot differentiate between something that is right and something that is wrong. So one preacher will say, you know, this, 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 and this is right. And then another one will say the exact opposite. And then people will sit there and think, well, which one am I supposed to believe? Well, I don't know what to believe. Well, I was totally convinced that this, and then I heard this man say something different. Now I'm just so confused. I don't know what to believe. And their whole life, for many of them, that's the way they are. Flip, flop, flip, flop, back, forth, back and forth. And yet they carry Bibles, they've got books, they've got the message on their phone, and they still don't know what to do. Don't you understand what's missing? It's the newos of Christ. The mind, the faculty, which can only come by a new birth to be able to look at something that looks identical, can look like an identical twin. But the mind of Christ can differentiate between the two. And a person trying to use their sensations or their emotions or whatever, oh, well, I I just patronize this brother. He's always been one of my favorites and I really like this guy. But someone with the mind of Christ has the faculty, which is beyond themselves, to discern between right and wrong. And yet you look at it and it might look identical. It may feel right, it may seem right. It may look right, but the mind of Christ in you says, watch that. They're leaving out this word. Then they'll leave out this one. Then they'll leave out that one. Praise the Lord. But we have the mind. Now, if you want to notice this, that Paul says we have. So already in the first church age, now remember this was the alpha bride. So God had started doing what he desired to do in the Old Testament, but the law would not allow it. And that was the spirit of God to come inside not only the prophets, but the mystical body of the believers. So they had received, an element of them had received the mind of Christ. So it's the power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. So, in other words, they won't judge the situation if it's, you know, the pastor's pet. Then the pastor's pet gets special conditions and, you know, and and then everybody else, you know, there's, no, the mind of Christ never does that. And everybody said, a particular mode of thinking and judging thoughts, feelings, purposes, and desires. So he has endowed those of us that have received the token life inside of our soul. He has endowed us with his own personal ability. Listen now. His own personal ability to be able to discern. Praise be to God. So we're capable of separating truth from error. Thank you, Jesus. Notice again in Philippians 2.5, the aspects of the mind. Let this mind, same English word, but a different Greek word altogether. Let this mind be in you, Phronil, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now look at the meaning of the word here. To have an opinion of oneself. God knows we all have that. And most of it's wrong. Now let this mind be in you. To have an opinion of oneself. To think of oneself. To be modest. Not let one's opinion, though just, of himself exceed the bounds of modesty. Now this was the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Now what you notice how Paul says this, let or allow. You see this is something that will not automatically just blow out of you. But we must allow God through this mind of Christ to no matter what God ever does through us. How great the work God may be that he uses us for. But we, not the people around us, but us keep it in the bounds of modesty. And somebody said, who being in the amorphae of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now who was he? The word, the amorphae of God. And he thought it not robbery to be equal with God though he was God in a human body, but he did not consider it robbery, which is to take something away from God. He looked at it as an exact transfer of riches. It was not robbery for him to say, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That was not robbery. Now for a person to say, I'm a child of God, I'm this and that and the other, and they're not living a life that's worthy of a child of God, they just robbed the Christian title. But Jesus did not look at it as robbery to say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. Lord, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus saith unto them, Philip, hast thou been with me so long a time and don't know who I am? It was not robbery. But yet, he was God, but in supreme authority of his position, he never acted like he was. Why, he lived beneath his position how did he do that Harry it was a mindset for the service that was required he must condescend you see for him to do this when his bride comes hallelujah for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again then would sleep in Jesus will God also bring with him when he comes when Jesus comes In the rapture, it will not be an act of condescension, him humbling himself again. You're talking about glory and robes and diadems and crowns. Why? Now will be the time. But when he's on earth, he needed this mindset. Praise God who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Don't you see what this mind is? Let this mind be in use. So this mind is the ability to self empty. Kenosis. This is what God did. He emptied himself. Then the Lord Jesus emptied himself. And in the garden of Gethsemane, the anointing left him. And he did not die with the anointing. He died without it. This is how he could say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? So the self-emptying is the mind that every member of the bride, not just preachers, we must have self emptying, denying ourselves. Let this mind be in you, the mind of self emptying instead of self evaluation. Boy, I'll tell you one thing I guess I'm just about the greatest preacher on the message. Well, I reckon I'm just about the greatest singer there ever was. I've written more songs than anybody in the message, as far as I know. And if you don't believe I am, just ask me. I'll tell you I am. I'll tell you that right now. If you want to know who it is, glory to God, I'll tell you who it is with all humility. <laughs> You skunk. Come on now. That stinks. That's not humility. People think they're humble because they say they are. I am so humble. I am so humble. How many of us in our church today have the mind? Of self-emptying. If we would be looking for people here in the church today that every other service, your name would be mentioned either by me or somebody else. Or you would be recognized for this or recognized for that or this or that or the other. I wonder how many of us would say, that's what I really like out But if God needed somebody and they pulled out on the parking lot and they seen a little chewing gum wrapper laying there and said, who done that? I'm going to stop my car and pick that up. People all the time coming out here on the road and throwing out their beer cans and their beer bottles and all that sort of thing. Anybody willing to stop by and pick any of that stuff up? Brother Donnie, how dare you? You would ask me to pick up a Coke can? I do. You would pick up a French fry box? I do. I don't think it's becoming for our place to look like this. We are so blessed to have such a facility. I don't want us to take advantage of it. I don't want us to feel like we can run it down and treat it like I don't know what. We ought to be so happy. Our birthday just last week, been here for a year. We ought to be so grateful to God. We ought to, every time we come into this place, i come over here sometimes multiple times during the week, sometimes it hits me when I pull in, sometimes when I pull out, and I'll stop and get out of my vehicle and look back and say, Lord, I just can't hardly believe it. I just can't hardly believe it. You've given us such a nice place to worship, such a nice place for all of our activities and all that. I am so grateful to God to have it today. I am grateful. No, I don't deserve it. No, you don't deserve it. No, we do not deserve any of it, but God's given it to us. Oh, man. Y'all pray fast now. I'll hurry. Maybe. You see, our outlook determines our outcome. Our attitude will determine our altitude. People's attitude toward Christ, the word will determine they will not be able to attain a rapture altitude. Notice in this sermon, the angel of God, I'll close here shortly. It's the mind of Christ and the human being has the privilege to enter in and know the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. I want you to look at the date of the sermon. 3, 4, 48. Now some of y'all may think I'm absolute nuts preaching this in 2024. Can you imagine what they thought about him preaching this in 1948? When they're, they're, This is Pentecost, of course. Pentecost is wide open. They're pushing gifts, shouting, running, jumping, you know, all that sort of thing. Nothing wrong with that. As long as the presence of God is in decent and in order, thank God for it. But how weird and strange this must have seemed when all these things are going on. And he's preaching about the mind of Christ. What a reality to dwell in the channel of Christ. We unworthy mortals have been brought in to be sons and daughters of God, to be fellow citizens. Again, he says, you can't have the mind of Christ and the mind of the world at the same time. You can't be in your way and God's way at the same time. You have to get out of your own way to let God have his way. Lord help us, Lord help us. That's the only way you're ever gonna do anything. You gotta get away from your own thoughts, your own reasons. Don't try to reason, just believe. Let's stand, I'll read you this other one while you rest yourself. And we have faith in our heart the faith of God in our heart and can see it clear and it becomes a faith and then we speak it and it comes into existence cause the mind of Christ is in the man. That's what makes healings and so forth. When you get that perfect revelation just what you're doing, then you know how to walk. Let me look at this again. It becomes a faith, then we speak it, and it comes into existence. The same thing, because the mind of Christ is in the man. Maybe some of y'all are battling things in your life, and you come up for me to pray for you, Brother Darrell to pray for, Brother Joel, Brother Jonathan, these are the minister brothers here, Brother Michael, the others, visiting ministers that would come. They said, well, I went up for prayer and it didn't happen. I asked God and it didn't happen. I wonder if God wants some of us to be able to let this mind be in us and he will take your own mouth and you will say, that besetting sin leave me in the name of Jesus you know I'm here to help you you know I would pray for you till I fell flat on the floor with all my strength gone and I'm here to do everything I can to help you but I want us and our church to come to a place to where we realize God don't want the emphasis just to be on the preacher the preacher The pastor, it's a body move. So I'll go back to this elbow that's itching. Now my head could scratch it, but it's gonna be a might awkward. And y'all gonna laugh at me if I do it. Or I can take a part that's been appropriated to be more beneficial. I've been told by a couple of brothers, but I was told about it the first time from Brother Perry Green. He was talking about Brother Branham talking about the fivefold ministry. And he named each one of these fingers, you know what they were. And he said that this was the prophet. And he said, notice, Brother Perry, how the prophet can work with the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. Isn't it amazing? You try to, you know, try to, it's it's hard to do. Don't do it now, but do it when you get home later. Look how hard it can be sometimes getting this little guy. But notice how the prophet can work with all them other folks so smoothly. So there ain't going to be one pastor in the message that everybody's going to hover around. There ain't going to be one evangelist. Come on, somebody. There's only one man, really. That all the bride is gonna be under his headship and his position. And all the rest of them will work like this until they get big headed and think they don't need him no more. I hope we never get that way in our church. Where God's message through his prophet can always be so alive in our hearts. Come here by our heads. I want each of you today to look at your life as a man, a woman, a young man, a young sister. Just asking, Lord, please help me today. I I need more of that love that I heard preached about today. I need it to mature in me. And when we say more, I'm not sure so much that it's more in quantity as it is just more mature. We're thinking, well, more, more, more means something other than what you have. And I'm wondering sometimes if it's not there, it's just in the stage that it needs to grow up. And the Lord can use it. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Fathers, we have our heads bowed to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken. And one day knowing that if you don't change us, we'll go back to that dust. We have this petition in our heart today, Lord. That we can be what we have heard. I believe there's people here today and no doubt people that have streamed the service and many of them have grown and grown and they in a matured state in their walk and their life, their love and their faith and their temperance and their joy. But Lord, they just feel like they need just a little bit more growth. They're almost at the top. Maybe there's some that's just starting at the very bottom and they feel they need so much and lack so much but this is one thing we so love about you. You can take all of us at different levels and make each one of us feel welcome at your table. There's people here that's been serving you for decades after decades, but you don't love them any more than you do that one that just got saved a few weeks ago or a few nights ago. Lord Jesus, I pray you would help us to have your mind for our church what we think you want our church to become. No doubt every person here would have their idea and their opinion. Well, I, I believe God would want our church to be this or do that or do this certain thing or have this sort of outreach this way and that way. Lord, I, I just pray you'd help all of us, Father, that we can find your mind for our church. Not only our church, but our marriages, our homes our families. What's your mind, Lord? Father, in the last few years, several of our saints, in 2013, I think Sister Barbara had sent the number to Carol that since I've been here, I've buried 144 people, I believe it was, since I've been here. 2013, 13 in one year. That's left behind Widows, widowers, some daughters that are motherless, some boys that might be motherless. Maybe they feel all alone and lost today. They don't know what the rest of their life is to be. They need your mind, Lord. So what about our sisters losing their husbands to COVID or to cancer whatever it would be. A real daughter of God that focuses so much of our life around her husband and then all of a sudden he's gone. What do they do with the rest of their life? They truly need your mind, Lord, to help them. My four little granddaughters here today, Lord, how they loved and still do love their mama. But you and your wisdom chose to take their mama home. Would you comfort their little hearts today, Jesus? Would you help them, Father? Not only them, but others standing here and they're wondering, what am I to do? Maybe some will finish high school here in five or six months, whatever it will be, and they're pondering, what should I do? Which way should I go? We need your mind, Lord. As the pastor of this church, Lord, as for now, I I want your mind for us. I want your mind for us in this community, in this area, of what we're to be, what we're to do. I know this, I cannot believe it would ever be in your mind for us to pull away from the message of the hour. It cannot be in your mind for us to compromise so we could pack this place out. I'd rather there be three here and it packed out with the Holy Ghost than plumb full of people and no presence of God. Oh, Jesus, don't never leave us, please, Father. I don't believe you will as long as we never pull away from your word. We need your mind for the future. Lord, among the message community, there's such divisions among us, doctrines and this and that and the other that's dividing all How the preachers need the mind that was in Christ Jesus. How we need your mind to direct us as a message community, as a message body. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help our church. We didn't choose to be a church that would influence people around the world, I never chose to be such was left up to me you know I would stop the internet today and never broadcast another service as long as I ever live because with that comes such responsibility we need your mind Lord Brother Rob Brother Joe with the young people what do we want for our young people help us Father every minister here the deacons the trustees The Sunday school teachers, help us, Father. We want to just turn this into another denomination or another shell of where God used to be. No, Lord. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. We welcome your healing, your deliverance, your power. Father God, help us. Help us, I pray, Lord. Give us your mind, your mind of direction, your mind of judgment, your mind perception, the faculty of supernatural perception to pick up on right and wrong. Help us, Lord God. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord. You love him with all your heart today, saints. How I many can say be the uplifting of your hand that you probably need that now more than ever before in your life? The mind of Christ to help you, to lead you, to guide you for your life. Some of you young men be looking for a wife before long. Some of you young sisters looking for a husband. Well, you talking about needing the mind of Christ? Marrying a man that's not got the Holy Ghost, marrying a man that's gonna be the ruler of your home, Your brother's marrying a woman that may not have the Holy Ghost. Friends, if we ever needed the supernatural intelligence of God, we need it now. How many wants it in your life, your leadership, job decisions, you make business decisions, some of you business men here, don't trust your own ability. Don't look at yourself and say, I'm such a good businessman, I'd never make a mistake. You've already made one when you get to thinking you're so high and mighty. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us today, Father. Would you mind laying your hands on one another? Let me just tell you here, Wednesday night we did this, and there's a brother come to church, he's standing here today, he told me, I talked to him on the phone, said he had this splitting headache. Whenever I had the saints to lay their hands on one another, a couple people laid their hands on him, I think actually Brother Darrell went to him too, when prayer was made, the headache left him immediately. These signs shall follow them, not just the preachers. Let's pray for one another. Heavenly Father, our brothers and sisters have their hands one upon the other here today, Lord. I've seen one widow sister reach over and Take hold of the hand of another widow sister. They share something in common, Lord. Their husband's been taken from them, and no doubt they never thought it would ever happen. Looking for the remaining portion of their life, what do they do? They no longer fit with married couples, really. Married couples will ask them to go out, and they feel awkward and out of place. Would you help them, Jesus? Young people standing here, Lord, maybe they're at that awkward stage in their life and trying to find what you want them to be. Maybe there's ministers here today, Lord, that'll hear this and they're seeking your wisdom about a pivotal, pivotal, rather turning spot in their life and they don't know what to do. People think preachers have all the answers. Oh, if they only knew the truth of it. We struggle as much or more than they do trying to find direction sometime for our lives. And if a preacher makes a mistake, it's public, so everybody can see it and criticize him. Lord, as preachers, we need your leadership. Lord, I pray that every man of God that's called to preach this word, may they realize what an awesome responsibility they have, especially those of us who stream our services and stream our churches. We have an international audience, and sometimes our influence overlaps from one to another. And there's people here I know that listen to this preacher and that preacher and another preacher. And then if they hear conflicting things, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to believe. Help all of those ministers who stream and do all of that to understand the responsibility that they have in affecting other sheep. Lord Jesus, we all need your mind, Father. Father. How will it be that you'll ever get a group of people together on the earth in one mind for the rapture? The Bible tells us that they were in one place and in one accord there on the day of Pentecost. And they'd been discussing and debating and going through this and that and the other for several days now. But finally they arrived in one accord. No doubt we'll always have differences, Father, but for that which is needful for us as your people. Would you sweep the world, Lord God, and bring the preachers? If the preachers can't grow up and become mature, how can the sheep? If the preachers cannot grow up and be what you've called us to be, instead of trying to carve out our little niche here and our little niche there, help us, Lord God, to lead your people together in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Grant it, Lord Jesus, help our church, Father, these men that are standing here that are married and some of them with children, help these men to realize what a responsibility they have. They need your mind, Lord. These sisters need your mind. These young people, we need your mind. Oh, Lord God, help each of us here today, I pray, that we can find your mind, Lord, for our lives, for the rest of our journey, for what we're to be, where we're to go. Help me, Jesus. I stand in greater need than all of these people here today. Help me. I stand in a fearful place Oh Lord, I'm not afraid that I'll be lost. I'm not afraid that you'll cast me out. But I just get so afraid that I'll miss you somehow. I'll miss your direction. You know how I am back there in the office. I I walk back and forth and I pace and I I get so torn to pieces before I come out. I'm afraid I'll say something that won't please you or I'll eliminate something that I should have said. And one soul didn't get what they come to church for. Help me. I need you, Jesus. I need you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many feels that way about your walk with God? Can we just raise our hands now? You've prayed for one another. Can we just raise our hands now? And let's just focus on us. Lord, help me. Just in your way, Lord. Help me. Help me, Father, that I can have your mind. Help me that I'll never think of myself higher than I'm supposed to be, and always with that element of modesty. If I would err, Lord, if there's an error toward modesty, let me err that way. Let me err, O God. Let me take the order. Let me take the order of condescension. It's the same man, Paul, here that we read about also told the saints that they would condescend to brothers of lower degree. Condescend to brothers of lower degree. Help us. Give us that father. That mind in you when you were the almighty but you hid it so well people touched you rubbed your clothes and you hid it so well they didn't even know God walked into their little store. Maybe you walked in and bought a fig or you walked in and bought a pomegranate and you had a little snack from a local merchant there. God walked in his store. But you hid your greatness to such a degree, you look like a common peasant. Help us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Father. Sing some more, Sarah. Praise the Lord, Jesus. Praise the Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise your name, Lord. We've
1: opened up the pages of your. Thank you, Father. And we heard the preacher preach the sermon. Yes, Lord. I want to become what I've
2: heard. Yes, I do, Lord.
1: I do. In front of me I see Christ living in me. That's what we're walking toward. Yes, Lord. Your desire for my life. For my life. Listen to the words now. Is to have the life of Christ live in In me, me. not my My life life and yours but yours and yours alone father let your kingdom come as i let your will be done let
0: your kingdom come as i let your will be done
1: your desire for my life is to have the life of Christ live in me, not my life and yours, but yours and yours alone, Father. I will let your will be done. Lord, you're calling me to a higher place. To walk with you each and every day. As I pray and read my Bible, you will keep me in revival and lead me into a body change. Your desire for my life to have the life of Christ live in me not my life and yours but yours and yours alone father Christ, live in me, Lord, not my life and yours, but yours and yours alone. I will let your kingdom come. I will let away I give myself away so you can you give myself away I give myself give myself, I give myself to you. Oh, my life is not my own. To you I belong. Lord, I give myself, I give myself myself I give myself to you I give
0: myself to you. God let's just worship him together shall we let's just sing it to him now and worship him meet him with all your heart give myself I give myself away Lord so you
1: can use me I give myself
0: show you Worship you today, Lord. Let's sing one more before we go. Hey, down from His glory, ever living story. Praise the Lord! Aren't you glad He came to upon Him the form of a man and showed us the way? Let's sing it together. God bless you. I love you in the Lord. Down from His glory, ever living story. My God and Savior came, and Jesus was his. Born in a manger To his own astray Thank you, Jesus. A man of sorrows, tears,
1: and ashes
0: Everybody now.
1: Oh, I love him. How I,
0: do. oh, glory. Oh, my, why shouldn't we love him? Why shouldn't we love him and adore him? My breast, my sunshine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, children, if you could only imagine the angels of God are hovering around this place this morning and listening to us sing this song. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What come? us redeemed thank you Lord God that is oh yes Lord God this is the kind of shape we was in not one faint hope whole inside God great All this splendor I love this part. Stooping to woo
1: to win to say.
0: We bless your name, mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, El Shaddai. Hallelujah. The first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. We bless your name, Lord God Almighty, which is and was and is to come. Oh, the great, great Thank you, Lord God, thank you, Jesus. And all, all children, how beautiful that sounds. Make love to Him as we sing it once again. Praise the Lord with all your heart. Hallelujah, oh, how I love Him.
1: Oh, how the bright love
0: how she really adores you. You're my breast, my sunshine. Lord Jesus, you're my healer, you're my deliverer. You're my first, you're my last, you're my all in all. Now make it ring the grave. Jesus brother Joel Brown come sing for us about going up yonder that's where we're heading in it by the grace of God how many can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today oh praise the Lord praise the Lord God bless you children can go in the fear of God you can stay in worship if you wish won't it be absolutely an awesome time when we gather up there and we'll never have to go home we will be home so we won't have to go to our own separate ways and it'll be praise every day worship every day it'll be this way for eternity how awesome I love you in the Lord God bless you
2: if you want to know Where I'm going, where I'm going, one day soon, if anybody asks you where I'm going, where I'm